Impact Lab, connecting social entrepreneurs, nonprofit professionals, tech innovators, and activists with ideas and tools that enable their organizations to make the strongest possible impact. Today's guest is Amy Willard Cross, founder of Genderfair, a public benefit corporation that promotes gender equality through market-based solutions. Thank you for joining us. This is your host, Lynette Zimmerman, broadcasting from Philadelphia. Today's podcast is powered by Impact Tap, sharing social good through new media. Find out more at theimpacttap.com. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you on the program. Well, I'm happy to have my coffee with you today, too. <laughs> Fantastic. As our listeners heard in the introduction, you are the founder of Gender Fair, uh, which is an index designed to empower consumers to support businesses that practice gender equality. Uh, yeah. you, you and I uh, share a similar passion uh, for gender equality, and I am looking forward to hearing all of your thoughts on this topic. And uh, But before we do that, uh, let's discuss your background. What led you to this present moment? Well, I've been a journalist all my life, or magazine editor, writer, I've, and I've written a lot about women's issues starting out as a, as a kid. And I never was an activist before, but I'm not saying that. Uh, but then... You know, we've, there's been so much talk about, I've written all these stories, but there's nothing changed in my lifetime. So I thought maybe data is going to be more important. So I decided to switch from, you know, writing, reporting, and hiring people to write stories to actually collecting data that might move the needle on women's equality. Um, you know, I marched for the ERA when I was 12, and we still don't have it. We don't still have that basic thing in the Constitution. So um, I think data is something, one, it's valuable. People want to know it. I'm astonished by the data that we've collected. And um, I can already see how it's making change. And um, and um, it might be more fun to actually interview people like this as opposed to, like, read through all these reports till your eyes glaze over or read through other people's reports of the reports. But um, I, I hope to make a difference as a feminist and a journalist with, with information that I can gather to change the ratio for women. And, um, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't intend to stop until we, until we make some real progress. I think it's incredible that we're sitting here in 2017 with a national culture that still undervalues female leadership and women in general. I mean, we're looking well, at, uh, women making up less than 6% of CEOs among S and P 500 companies. Uh, the gender gap, or excuse me, the gender pay gap has narrowed, but it still takes women an extra 44 days of work a year to earn the same as their male counterparts, uh, which I find just horrifying. And uh, back in 2015, you started Gender Fair and, um, in an effort to promote gender equality in the workplace. Now you talk a little bit about data. Let's, let's dive into this. Uh, tell me about this index that utilizes a variety of metrics to illustrate um, a company's commitment to gender equality. Yes, I'd love to. So when it came to measuring how, how well companies do, we sort of had to you know, look to see what, what, what could we use to do so. And there's something called the Women's Empowerment Principles from the UN, which was originally developed by the Calvert Institute. Um, so we use that as a, as a, as a guide. As a guide. And then also looked for for uh, data points that would be reported on because you can't really score things if people don't report on them. And um, 
But of course, not all companies report on all things, and that's part of the index. So we look at four major areas. We look at a company's leadership policies. We look at a company's employee policies. Um, we look at a company's philanthropy to, for women and girls, or CSR, and we also evaluate a company's advertising. And would you like me to get into the exact uh, data points? I would. Okay, great. I'd love to. So we do board representation. We also do named executive officers, which are those that have to be registered with the SEC, which are the top paid executives. And I'll come back to that later. We also look at uh, the presence of a leadership program. And uh, all the, the, the points are rated, they're either benchmarked or scored, benchmarked to current averages or scored in a binary way, yes, no. So we can't play with any of the data. And when it comes to employee policies, we look at maternity and paternity leave. And those are heavily weighted 20 points on this 100-point scale. We also look at uh, presence of uh, family-friendly policies. We evaluate whether a company does employee diversity reporting, which is an important thing, and also uh, supplier diversity reporting, which I don't know if you know what that is, but it's about tracking whether a company is spending money on women and minority-owned businesses, which is mm -hmm. a huge way of you know transferring, well, not wealth, I mean, to you know funding communities that aren't, that need funding, such as women and minority businesses. And, uh, for philanthropy, we look at, we look at, I think maybe seven different points of philanthropy. We look at whether there is a CSR report, whether there is uh, anything directly, uh, supporting women and girls, whether it's local, national, ongoing, that kind of thing. And there's several points for each of those. And then we also look at, uh, for advertising, we do a very blunt pass fail. And originally we had done this very complicated, these complicated metrics, but my friends who did the Dove commercial, they said, Amy, that's way too complicated. The brands will fight you. Make it blunt. So we look at, does, it, does an ad break stereotypes? And uh, if it does, it passes. And does it objectify or show violence against either gender? And if it does, it fails. And we, we can quantify both of those things. We can quantify breaking a stereotype if we can prove that uh, you know, fewer than 50% of either gender do such activity. And I actually will go back when I see the data, I, I go, we go back and look to see whether, you know, do are, are mountain climbers less than 50% women? And if so, that would get a point. And to quantify objectification, we say, we ask the question, is the person dressed appropriately for the activity? or inappropriately for the activity. So if you have a woman in a bathing suit on a soccer field, that's not appropriate. Or are they showing a body part that's not connected to the product? So if I show you a breast and a bra, that's totally fine. Or a, a, a derriere and jeans, that's, that's not objective. That doesn't objectify. But if I show you a beer bottle next to a breast, that's objectification. So it's pretty, it's pretty easy to score. So anyway, most, most ads just are in the middle, like let's say 84% around there, let's say over 80% do neither. They're either just, they just show one woman in a kitchen with two children, or they show a man driving a woman in a car. And it's not really what our world looks like, right? So, I mean, and I look at all the images myself. That's the one bit of data I do. I have people collect thousands of ad images and videos and and I'm astonished to see how unlike my life these ads look like. Anyway, so that's the scale, and it's 100 points, and it's weighted, and um, we get all the data is publicly available. So it has to be on the record, sort of on the record of a public company, because that ha that bears a certain burden of of uh, accuracy, right? So we we pour through SEC reporting and uh, corporate social responsibility reports, annual reports. 
employee handbooks, that kind of thing. And, um, and I'm seeing a lot of change. Like we've been looking, we've been collecting the data since, as you said, two for two years. And I'm seeing some upward movement in, in areas and some downward movement in others. Like, you know, the board numbers are going up. Um, top named executives go up a little bit, but they also go down. They're variable. Usually there's just one woman who's listed in the SEC documents. Have you ever seen those, Lynn? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I have seen them, and I find yeah. it um, very fascinating. So yeah. let's, let's talk more about um, your data points. You said you have 100 data points. Um, who's paying attention? Yeah, oh, 100 sorry. point scale. Sorry, yeah. 100 point scale, yes. yes. Uh, so who's paying attention to this scale that you've created and the work that you're doing? Are, are ad agencies paying attention to this? Are, are brands paying attention to this? Well, I... Um, some are, yes. We're, we're very new, right? We just launched publicly in April. We had this wonderful, uh, we did a wonderful display at Tina Brown's Women in the World. She invited us to launch there. We did a sort of a museum of gender fair products. We displayed things like a coach bag or Giagio um, alcohol and then listed their gender metrics next to it. So it's like a, you know, just like you'd see in a, a museum display, it might say this necklace was from Mesopotamia. Instead, it says, you know, Diageo, this company has this leadership program and has an ad council. Anyway, so uh, no, we want them to pay attention. So we are talking to a lot of brands. We have some clients who have, um, so companies that do well on this index can then apply to be certified, just like a fair trade logo. That's mm -hmm. that's the major idea. This is and so the idea is that we're going to change the marketplace through consumer demand. Instead of we know boycotts work really well, you know consumer outcry works really well. This is a different idea to reward the companies that do well. And, um, and I, I hope that within the next year, brands start, more brands start paying attention and try, and try to become gender fair. That's the point, really, is to drive change in the, market, in the market by companies that haven't quite reached the standard. And only about – the standard is not very high, Lynn. You know, like you cited those, the Fortune 500 stats, you know, 20% of women on the board. That's pretty low. Or 14% of the top-named executives. So, like, that's the standard, and only 15% meet that. And it's basically impossible to do get an A on this index without giving a paid mat leave, maternity leave. And Gap is the only company that um, is able to get an A without, without disclosing the number of weeks it gives. It does get a little bit of a point, some points for saying it has paid maternity leave, but it won't, it won't, doesn't reveal how much. Um, oh, that's interesting. Uh, does this... I like this approach, uh, this certified program approach. Like you mentioned, there's other ways of, of creating change, you know, through disruption and other processes. But this one, I believe, has a long-term effect or could have a long-term effect. So that, to me, is, is worth watching and seeing how quickly it can change things. <laughs> Don't think it's going to be quick, you know. I uh, <laughs> cite, do you know the Human Rights Campaign Guide to Corporate Equality? Have you heard of this? I have heard of that. Yeah, so you'll see it a lot on companies' websites. They they put it on very a lot. So when they first started, which I think is around 15 years ago, I think I think around 13 or 14 companies scored an A on on their index of like LGBT policies. And guess what? 15 years later, that's like over 500, 550 mm -hmm. or something like that, 20. So that's that's changed for a huge number of people. So I ask, why can't women do the same? Why can't women? ask the companies where they spend a lot of their money, you know, 73% of the consumer dollar, and why can't they encourage companies to do right? And we workshopped this. We developed this as a commitment at Clinton Global Initiative. 
which is just about no more, but I don't know if you know Clinton Global, they will make, yes. mm-hmm. they do matchmaking with NGOs and companies. And so it was very exciting. And we met our first client, Procter & Gamble there, and they were the first ones to sign on, which we're thrilled about because they're a very gender fair company and they've been incredibly supportive. They love, they see what we're doing and they've been supportive. So um, the idea is that what Clean Global, while they invited us to join, is they, they could see how this is a market-based solution to equality. And that's what they really liked, that we're using the market, market forces to create sort of a consumer demand for gender equality policies. And um, when you're at Clinton Global, you have to do a very rigorous commitment document. And it took months, actually. And there's many things I didn't do last summer, I realized, because I was so busy, you know, obsessing on this commitment. You have to project, you have to project metrics about what you're going to change. Mm-hmm. And that was really, you know, daunting and exciting. And at the same time, to say, like, okay, how many companies do you think we can make change their policies? And how many employees do they have? And how many, uh, you know, how many, how, what, what does that mean for how many more women managers will there be? How many more leadership programs might there be? Um, so it was quite cool to look at the future. And I guess in 10 years, I'll go back to that document. I'll make sure I'll print it out and I'll, I'll go back to the document. And I'll see, did we reach, uh, how did we reach these goals? I think that's a, that's a fantastic idea. Keep, keep no. measuring. That's great. So, so you hit on a few things. Um, yes. what surprised you the most in these last two years with this project? When they list women named um, executive officers in the SEC document, just about always she's paid the second to least. And that doesn't look like by accident. You know, it's like, really? Okay, you'll let someone into the, you'll let one in into the, you know, into the, I guess you call the P, you know, this P, in this circle of P&L kind of executives but she's still not, she's still not valued the most. So there's a structural... Uh, structural gap. Yes, and I and I was surprised actually how few companies did well. Like I didn't think it would be fifteen percent, and we and in the scale, so it's we say seventy to eighty is an A, you know. Then there's a B and there's a C, and we give a uh, we give a letter grade for each of the four areas: leadership, employee policies, philanthropy, and advertising. And um, so, yeah, leadership is one that people fall down on, of course, a lot, and you know, employee policies because companies don't publish their paid parental leaves. And, um, and we're only, I mean, we look at the benchmark there of 8%. So it, it's, it's all kind of astonishing. And I, you know, I, and, um, hopefully when, when the more and more women see this, the more they'll realize this is, you know, we, we know there's not women on the board, but what does that mean? But when you see the whole portrait of a company, it actually, it gives you a much better idea of how that company relates to gender and some companies clearly have it in their DNA, like, you know, Procter & Gamble has is, is been working for 20 or 30 years to realize that women are their primary consumers. And they've been working hard. HP, actually, is a, is, is a company we've been talking to uh, a lot. And they, they have some of the best gender metrics around. They have, I think, maybe three out of their t- named executive officers are women. Are there two or three? I think it's maybe three. Huge. Um, another surprising fact, which is kind of odd, is that we noticed a real correlation between companies that do breast cancer philanthropy and lack of women's leadership. Oh, really? That's yeah. fascinating. I mean, that may not that may not stand, but because that was in the first year we collected the data, because of course leadership does is is inching up in certain companies. But the first time we looked at it, like I think I gave a paper and. I gave a talk on Wall Street in 2015, and I, I mentioned that. Like, it was quite stark. Maybe seven out of the 12 companies that did 
breast care, breast cancer philanthropy had no women's leadership. Panera, Panera's pink, uh, pink ribbon bagels being among, among them, I think at the time, Panera didn't have any women on the board or the executive. Something that's always bothered me is the, is the NFL and their big push for breast cancer awareness. That just, it, it gets under my skin because I know they truly don't believe it. They don't care, <laughs> for lack of a better word. It's all for show. Where does the money go also? Does it go to actually women patients? Does it go to their treatment or does it go for, you know, drug development, which, um, so yeah, that's, that's not really good philanthropy, but I'm, um, I'm hopeful that we'll see more and better philanthropy. I've been seeing companies adding a lot of philanthropy like Apple in the last couple of years, their score has been, has gone up dramatically. And I think the companies are, you can see when companies are paying attention and they're trying to do better. And, um, Apple is among those and Amazon too. Amazon, when we first looked at the data in 2015, in the summer, I remember someone asked me to, if we were asked to analyze it, and Amazon did not do well. And now they've been, you know, they added their paid maternity leave to hourly workers, and they've been trying to get more women's leadership. I mean, I'm sure, I can't, I can't say what companies are like on the inside. I can only look at these external metrics. But in the app, we also do note uh, qualitative issues. Like, we score on only things that can be measured and seen and counted, but um, in the app itself, when we publish the 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 results, we will note if there are significant uh, lawsuits, right, class action or lawsuits that have been um, uh, decided. So we don't we don't write about pending lawsuits because we can't really say whether it's true or not, right? But if there's a class action suit, we do mention that in the qualitative research. Or if about sort of say about sexual harassment in a, in a company, we would say that even if they got an A, we would still write that. Um, so let's let's go yeah. into the app for a second. The, I've downloaded it. Um, my staff has downloaded it and, and experimented with it. You know, what behaviors are you really trying to encourage with the use of this app on the consumer well, side? To be frank, I think it's way too much work to use this app. I sometimes open it up when I'm at the drugstore. My daughter asked me for a makeup remover, and I was like, okay. It's, I can't remember which brand is which. You know, it's very hard. And I've been living in this data for, for years because, you know, the big companies have – is a Vino? Is that Johnson & Johnson? Is that gender fair? Because I try to buy only gender fair, right, or companies. I'm, mm-hmm. very, I'm very strict with myself. Um, so I find it very onerous. That's why I, that's why I want to move to labeling. I want to make – I want everyone to know which are the gender fair brands. Um, and I think that'll, that'll take many years to do, but, um, in the meantime, they can of course use the app and we're going to have, we're going to start doing, um, you know, uh, doing a newsletter, uh, where people can sort of find out shopping tips on which companies are gender fair and how to shop gender fair. And we'll do it by industry. That'll make it easier. But, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to go into a store and just look up everything. I think, I don't think it should be my responsibility. Actually, I think it's the company's responsibility. Tell me, are if you want my business, tell me you serve women well, because I'm not going to give you my dollar if, if I, if you don't. But I, I, I did a deck when I was first starting this in 2014, I did a deck I was going to, to explain to people. And I made a slide with all the different certification logos. And I can tell you, I got shivers because, you know, there was, there was a man in the fair trade. There was this frog and, and fish and everything. And Nothing about me. And the one time when I worked on a TV program, they told us whenever you get a shiver, whenever you get shivers, or <laughs> that means it's a good story. But it's sad, mm. sad that I don't matter. That the right. marketplace tells me I don't matter. 
you know, at the same time, they know that I do. They know that we control so much, you know, so much spending money. So my main message to women is one, of course, download the app. Ask, ask all companies how they're serving women. Ask them in your Twitter feed. You know, ask them in, through the app. I mean, ask them how they're doing and tell them you're not going to buy from them if they don't serve women well. And, um, and remind, and, and I want women to know how powerful we are as consumers. Like we, we talk about that. And now I, I'm, now I have a lever to use this power. We can withhold our dollars in a Lysistrata like way from the companies that don't serve women well, instead of, um, let's say we can reward the companies that do well. So, um, and that's easy to do. And that one, you know, you can remember P and G is pretty easy. Uh, Apple's pretty easy, but uh, when it, but uh, when you get into the grocery store, that's really hard actually because there's so many different brands. Like who who could remember which ones are General Mills and which ones are Kellogg's? And you have to look at the box. But remember that you have tons of you have a huge amount of power. Companies want your dollars. They want your goodwill, and um, so stick with those that do. So let's switch gears for a second here and talk about how you uh, formed the entity Gender Fair. Um, it's registered as a public benefit corporation. That's um, right. And I, I think this is an, an interesting business model, and I want to know more about why you chose to uh, create it this way and uh, if you can discuss like what exactly this business model means. I'm a journalist. I'm not really a capitalist, but I believe that Money is an important. Money is a a great way to buy equality in our culture. Doing a story once about looking at uh, the the funding behind the the newly elected Congresswoman of two thousand and eight. I don't know if you know the Sunlight Reports. They they track which industries fund women, uh, fund candidates, and they'll sort of break it down by pharma, legal, and so I wanted to see which industries funded these winning, freshly elected Congress people, Congresswomen. And guess what? None. The two top funds weren't industries that funded these women. It was Act Blue and Emily's List. And that was a big aha moment for me. I realized, oh, I see. The reason why we don't have more women in Congress is because women don't have are outside the funding system. So for me, it is important for women to try to get and control as much money as they can, because that will help us buy our way to equality. Like even look at venture capital. We know around like, is it four or around four or 6% of, of VC money is, um, is, um, uh, apportioned to women owned companies. And that's about the number of women VCs. So that's a long way of answering your question that we, yes, it's, we're a for-profit company. Cause I believe, uh, profit is uh, a for-profit company is the best way for us to go. I didn't want to be a nonprofit because then I'm, then I'm trying to take money away from other uh, entities that do great work for women. So I don't want to do that. I want to pay my own way. And I think what's, what's, I'll go into the business model in a second, but what's, what in a larger way, but what this allows us to do allows for the brands to help us pay for this movement of social equality. So now, um, and usually women's women's messages have they don't they can't get paid for right you 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 have these women's organizations that are always typically underfunded that don't have a lot of funding because women are earning less money for one thing and they have so many issues to work on so they can't really afford these big big campaigns about social change right so gender fair is going to allow us and the brands together to talk about the importance of being gender fair so our business model is that we invested in this research. It's paid for all by my, you know, by me and my partners. So we we paid for this research. Very expensive to hire researchers to go and comb through all the data, 
And then the, and the business model will be that companies will pay to license our logo and to be certified. So they don't have to. They don't have to opt in. The companies that did score well in the index are able to become members of Gender Fair, just as they would be for fair trade, and use our logo to communicate this, and which helps pay for the research to keep funding the research, and also will pay for uh, uh, communication campaigns and social media and otherwise, and uh, more events. But um, so that is. That's the basic business model. And eventually we're going to also, we, we can do, uh, my partner is going to start a sort of an arm to do consulting for companies that don't do well in this area because we have so much great data to benchmark against. And I think that a lot of companies are hiring people who do this kind of work who are, are men. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's one area where I think supplier diversity issues should be considered when you're talking about um, getting help. So I think we can help companies um do well on their data metrics. And we've already actually been approached by two companies that prefer not to do, they don't want to do the public communication. They just want to work with us about getting even better, even though they have what, you know, what we consider an A score. So, um, I hope that we make a lot of money and, you know, I guess what I'll do, I'll give a lot of it away actually women's causes. Um, so that's, that's a great idea is to provide that service to help companies who want to get better and, promote your services to those who don't think it's important. So, you know, everybody needs to understand that this is valuable. And I, and I was curious to know your thoughts on uh, working with small business as well as working with nonprofits on this issue. Well, I would love to. I mean, there is WeBank certification, of course, which for women-owned businesses, which is great. And we would, we would definitely work with any, we would do consulting to any business. Now, I'm, we're, we haven't gone into trying to certify smaller non-public companies because, you know, then you then you get into the thing where you have to sort of audit the results, because if it's just self-reporting, self-reporting is 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 tricky. Because how do how do I know that the company X that is just you know that's a that's a a smaller company and not publicly traded? How do I know that they're going to be truthful about that? You know, how can I trust them? This isn't right. This doesn't sound, sound very nice. But they don't have the same burden burden that a public company does, right? Mm-hmm. So we we'll we'll work with that down the road. First, we need to we want to sign up more partners in the in the in the uh, large partners because that's where you can drive the most change. But we want everyone to know gender fair. Like uh, the next thing we're trying to work on is trying to get gender fair labeling on Amazon on certain products because I know a lot of companies told, told us it's going to be they don't want to put any more labels on their boxes, and I I, I get it because again it's just a woman she doesn't matter as much as nutrition recycling or like look at all the different certifications all things the boxes have until until they know it's necessary right um so i think it'll be uh, it'll take them a while hopefully not too long but imagine how great it would be if people are shopping online and they could choose gender fair products so that's probably that's the first thing we're going to go to and i think we have some meetings about that soon well this is great i've really enjoyed our conversation amy thank you so much for joining us today and i yeah, yeah, we've had a lot of fun today. Uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Where can they find you? Oh, well, they can they can email me amycross at genderfair.com. They can uh, go to genderfair and, and sign up to get updates if they'd like to, just monthly actually, because I I'm I, my inbox it's my own inbox is just so overwhelmed. I I don't like to go into my personal email. So ask me any questions. Tell me what companies you want to have. Um, Research. We have a lot of research that isn't even published yet. I think I have like four or five industries that we haven't even 
like been able to process the data because it takes it takes a long time actually to go through even after it's, the data is collected we have to you know fact check it and so um, we have many more industries to do that I'm I'm hopeful to get on the, on the app in the next few months. But I just want to thank you for talking to me and asking me such great questions. I'm sorry we're not drinking coffee together, but um, <laughs> someday I'll be up in Toronto. We'll make it happen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thanks, both. thanks again, Amy.